I was really inspired actually from last week where um, where Matthew really just told us about his life story, how he became a Christian, the early years of his of his of his work with, and how the Lord had blessed his life and Erica, and it's it's often that you know we go through life just because of the business busyness of life, just because we need to as. Um, Hans mentioned Boston can be a very fast-paced environment that we often tend to stop and think about um, the human that is that we are we really get the privilege of fellowshipping with that their stories and not only that but because of that business we often and I personally have I find it quite challenging to even stop and think about my own life story, right? And it's, it, that's, that's a shame because it is through that, through our life stories, through our experiences that make, that's, that's what we're here for, is to really enjoy what the Lord has given, the life that the Lord has given. I'm not saying it's all gonna be pop, like, Beautiful and amazing, right? But what, and I hope you can understand that it's the even in the midst of challenges, how we grow, like really just even stopping to think about those things. I think they're very valuable. So I I took the opportunity to really also this week, in preparation for this message, reflect in my own story and how the Lord has led me to where I have. People have heard different aspects of stories I have shared um, in different varying details, uh, different aspects of the story, but I thought I'd like to uh, just share a bit about my life, a little bit about how I feel God has really been a blessing in my life. And, and I, I just want to start off with a passage in Psalms 139, verse 13, and which I think encapsulates pretty much how I feel to this point. Psalms 139, 13, and 14, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. For you formed me, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So what I've done is, I've sort of divided my life into four different timelines. And some of you may know that I really like songs. I like singing songs, unfortunately more than I'm good at singing songs, but I sort of have um, like a timeline, uh, like a song, a theme song, uh, should I say, for each of the timelines. So I'll just write it here. It's okay if I just put it yeah, down here. Yeah. 
green marker should work. Okay. Move whatever you need to. Right. So, um, okay. I was born in 92. Um, and in April, so I'm 29 right now, but okay, let's see, 1992. So, did my theme song for this phase of my life is um, Pass Me Not or Gentle Savior. Then, from let's say 2007 to 2014, I would say is Jesus paid it all. And 2014, I'll say 2016 is tell me the story of Jesus. I'll say is I would rather have Jesus okay so hopefully you know uh, after I share this will all make sense um, but the as I reflect on all of this I can't help but be amazed really the way the psalmist said you know, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I was, um, I was born in uh, 1992, April 15th. Um, I, have, I have both, both, both parents, older two older sisters and a younger brother. I was born in, uh, in, a, in, so my country of birth is Myanmar, called Burma before, it's in Southeast Asia. Geographically, it's between India, Thailand, and China. Um, the town that I was born and really grew up in, it's called Didim, um, and, and I, I was born into an ethnic, an ethnic, an ethnic group called Zo, the Zo ethnic group, Zomis or Zo people, and I was born in a Christian family. I I would say the as I reflect on my childhood, the biggest part is that, and this is something that I have only really just re reflected on and processed on in the past two, two years, is that my father um, left, left the country. He didn't leave our family, but left the country um, and came to the United States when I was four years old. And the next time I saw him wasn't, 2000, 2008. So that was a big, as I reflect back, that was a big part of my childhood experience where for, for almost six, 
almost 12, 13 years, um, my f I was not physically um, with my father. And what that meant was, so why, right? So at that time, my father got an opportunity to come to the United States um, to work for, and the plan was to work for a year. Um, and I was about four years old, and my younger brother, he was about two. And the plan was, because of the economic hardship in Myanmar at that time, um, the plan was to come here, work here, one, two years, make enough money such that he can start a business. But those, the two years became three, three became four, and especially because the country, it became more unstable that it, the, the opportunity to pursue any business or anything to feed the family was just not available. So he ended up staying in America longer than he intended, longer than my parents intended. My mother like married pretty young. I think she was 20 or 21 when she got married, uh, when she married my father. And she, and she, she was only in her early 30s or in her mid 30s at the oldest when my father, when we were um, consensually separated. It's not like he ran away, right? So he consensually separated. So she was our biggest, ter ter like, um, biggest ter 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 caretaker as a single mom. At that time, we, we we didn't have phones, we didn't have any, um, we didn't have any electronics or anything of that sort to connect each other. So our form of communication is either snail mail that he would mail that he would send, maybe like every like every month with his pictures, and uh, maybe once a month um, calling him. On, on the line and we had to pay by the minute and we didn't have much money so it was a three to five minute long um, phone call and that was essentially like my childhood interaction with him and I would say that the in my culture um, it's a very, like men are supposed to provide and for him that was his way of expressing love. That he was doing everything that he could to provide for the family. And hearing back stories, what I later learned is that he ended up working and he's like my dad's still alive and now he's with like family and everything. So it's um, the relationship there has been uh, really good, but what I what what I learned later was that he started he started working in when he came here he started working in in um in in the food food courts at the malls like uh like like the like the um like what's an example like the Chinese. Uh, like spots that you go in the food court. Um, yeah, like 
one of the whatever that one of the uh, names, and he would only take three days off of the whole year to work as a um, as as a, as the one of the people that would give out um, food samples or yeah um, etc. and and from what um, his friends have later told me is that yeah he all he does is with work and he saved as much as he could to to send it back to my family as well as not just my immediate family but for the whole for the whole um for the whole for for for, my, for like for also my extended family so that like to help a lot of my cousins and my other uncles and aunts um live a better life. And I say all of these things because not having a father figure at from the age of four till 17, 18, it, it, it is, it's a little bit different. You know, it's, it's a more, it's a lot different, but um, it's, it's something that I actually am still figuring out what that means. Um, now I think back about all of like my friends, um, my friends hang out with their parents. It just it didn't occur to me that there was something that I was lacking, and I would say, in part, that is God's like it's it's a God's it's a it's a it's God's blessing where um, where. My mother, who was essentially working as a single mother, um, really, um, to the best that she could, to the best that she could, just providing us with the motherly love as well as um, fatherly love, so to speak. But really, from what I remember, um, just relying on God for the fatherly love, you know it was, it was so. And 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 actually, I start off with that aspect of my life because it wasn't really until like two years ago that even I was able to really speak about it. Um, but um, yeah, so so that was a big that was a big part of my childhood, the absence of my father physically. Prox proximal uh, in a proximal manner, but I, but in my mind, I knew that there was somebody who loved me. There was somebody who really cares about me, and somebody who is sacrificing for me. So, I think very early on, this notion that you sometimes you have to sacrifice. For to for your loved ones, something that you have to um, sacrifice, and something that sometimes you have to. Um, it's okay to make your life less comfortable to help um, for the sake of your family or for your community. I think I I I have that, and I would say that came mostly from from my father and my mother
And, and the other aspect that I would say how that has impacted me is um, although they were separated or not together for over a decade, 13 years, 14, 13, 14 years, that I did not or we did not hear even any any single rumor or potential um, like misconduct in their marriage. And that also really set a strong example for for me. Um, that was that left a very strong impression on me um, of that um, of that that is that is something that yeah, that, that was really meaningful for me as well. So I grew up, um, both my parents were um, Christians, uh, belonging to a, um, a denomination called the Seventh-day Adventist. So I grew up in, in that church. And, and yeah, I was close to, um, close, to, close to Christianity, close to faith um, from a young age. I went to mostly um, like ch church schools, but I would say so. I did, I did have a very like a basic understanding, or a mo basic in terms of a childlike understanding of of like Christianity. It's it's a very give and take, so to speak. You know, um, we will. We were, we were really strict in terms of like keeping the Sabbath, not playing during the Sabbath, and things like that. And so, growing up, my image of God is a very tra transactional one. Where, okay, I'm going to sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. I will keep the Sabbath, and that will give me good grades. That will give me uh, good friends, etc. So, that was the environment that I grew up in. The during this time from 92 to 07, the most one of the most um, eventful thing that happened and that eventually led me to term like you know like uh, ascribe the song Pass Me Not O Gentle Savior is happened actually in 2007. I was 15 years old. Um, I was in a boarding school. I, I was in a boarding school. Um, I was in a boarding school and away from my parents. And um, I started having a stomach ache. It was just a stomach ache that, uh, that I thought, oh, okay, it's just a stomach ache. Maybe it's maybe indigestion. Maybe I'm... Um, things are too dried in there, I, like or yeah. So I thought it was just that. So I went to I went to our our uh, our clinic clinic in in there, and he said, oh maybe it's just indigestion. So give me a bunch of meds, which I took, and it went it went on for two weeks, and I was fifteen. It went on for two weeks, and and on one day I just felt this just like stabbing pain in my stomach that I couldn't move anymore. I was just, I, yeah, and I went to folks there and um, I just couldn't move and someone took me to the doctor. 
what ended up happening was that I had suffered a ruptured uh, appendix. For the, for the past two weeks, then I was, my appendix was getting inflamed, but it uh, was maybe because of the lack of care, medical care that was available, that I didn't get the right treatment to get to the point where it became ruptured. And if you, if you, for those who are familiar, or for those who are not familiar, once your appendix gets ruptured, the things that should be inside your gut comes out into the other parts of your tummy, so to speak. And that, that is very dangerous. That can create um, a septic shock, and one can die in a matter of hours. Like, um, so once I had that really just sharp pain, I was taken to the hospital on a bicycle in a very, like, very, it's not a well-paved road, but a very rocky road. That went for, we were, the, it took about 30 minutes to get there. So, well, I survived that, so I, maybe I could have survived anything, you know. Um, but so um, when from there, they did a test, and I had to do, an, so I went into an emer emergency surgery. And that was, that was then that I wasn't, and even at that point, I wasn't aware how bad it was. Um, and so the surgery happened the next day. I thought I was going to recover. But what happened two days after was that in my incision mark here, um, pus started coming out of the incision mark. And my mom and my dad were there, and they were all like, well, what's going on? And then, so what had what what the doctors did was the the wound that was the incisions cut that was they had to reopen it um, without any anesthesia, reopen it, and then start cleaning it by like just putting in gauze through like my through my um, abdomen, and then turns out what had happened was that. Um, my tummy was also, there was like infection there. So, so instead of having to just shut it open, shut it close with stitches, had to have it essentially heal it naturally. So from the, from the appendicitis, I was actually bedridden in a hospital for four weeks. When I was uh, when I was at Beth Israel doing my surgery, surgery rotations, people with appendicitis generally can get um, a one day, so they, they can get the operation done today and they can leave the next day. Um, and generally, they, they do, we do it laparoscopically, so we're using a camera, right? So you, you only have two, three, maybe three holes. Uh, but I have uh, in here, that's God's, maybe God's providence. Uh, I think uh, uh, one that's probably like this long um, in my right lower quadrant here in my abdomen. During that time, I, as I felt I was fighting for my life, this was the prayer that I, I had. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. 
I felt that at the age of 15, I was going to die. And I just couldn't. Yeah, and, and so I started praying to God, Lord, if you keep me alive, if you help me get out of this, if you, not, if you pass me not, I will do my best. I'll do whatever I can to like work. To, like I'll dedicate my life for your for your name. Oh thank you. Um for your name and also f to uplift like my own people. That was my prayer. Pass me not. I like like please keep me alive and and emotionally and just in my head that was what got me through I was 15 I was in the middle of my um, ten, like my matriculation year so in Myanmar we, we don't have um, the way colleges work is that in your 10th grade when you're in grade 10 you take one exam you study the whole year and you take one exam at the end if you pass that exam you pass right and then what what college you went to um it's decided by the grade that you get so i was already losing a whole month of study time um and so it was just a very, just like sad time. And like it was just like a very, I would say like depressing time. But what got me through was just praying to God, or like crying out to God, like don't, don't let go of me. And, um, and although, yeah, and although it has taken different turns, but and that was really at that point that I felt like God made a deal with me, so to speak, and and um, yeah, and then just on two fronts, I'm like, Lord, I want to be someone that will glorify Your name, be um, someone that I want to yeah glorify Your name at the same time, also uplift my people, and the reason I say my people is. Not to be people there being the my zoo ethnic group, and that's not to be tribalistic or like nationalistic, but it was because we as a people have generally been oppressed, generally been um, cut off from the broader um, Burmese population, Burmese community, and. It felt like at times we at times the same way the Israelites were yelling while they were in oppression and under the Egyptians. You know, th those were those were really the feelings that we have. And so and so that 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 explains why a lot of times um, a lot of the things that I care about I, they are like how I can 
impact the Zomi community that's um, both here in the United States as well as still in Myanmar. So this is my first part of story, 92 to 07. Pass me not, O gentle savior. Big, I would say the two big things that really left me was uh, for the for the for the majority of my life, my childhood, I I grew up without a like a proximal father, but one who cared deeply for my family and showed love the way he knew how. Grew up with a mother who provided everything that she could, everything that um, a human could possibly provide to fulfill the role of both a mother and a father, and also an experience where I felt I was at the doorsteps of that, and really just wrestling with God to not pass me. So, 2007, <coughs> and then came to the, and, and from 2007 to 2014, there were a lot of things that happened here. Um, I would say three, three biggest things, three biggest things is that, and I'll, I'll go into detail. One is I came to my family, the rest of my family, so everyone except my father, came to the United States in 2008. I started college here in Boston at MIT in 2010. And throughout my college from 2010 to 2014, I essentially um, like lost my relationship with the Lord. But throughout that, as I reflect, I think it's him that really, as I look back at this time, him that really encompasses how I feel is Jesus paid it all. You know, I hear the Savior say, "Thy faith in me is weak. My faith was weak. Just going a little bit deeper into 2008, um, my father, he worked for 13, 12, 13 years, he worked in Chicago, the same restaurant that he, he worked in, all, like, every day of the year except three days, Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, because that's when the malls are all, at that, in the part, the malls are all closed. Every day, um, did not save, like, did not spend much on himself. To a point where when we met him, he had, he was, his home clothes were, like, some of them were, like, five, six, seven, eight years old. Uh, because he, he's used all of this money to either send it to us or send it to other people. I'll say one one quick one quick note is, um, it's all on my father is that in my in my culture, in my culture, parents don't name their children, the grandparents name their children. So, for example, when my sister had her had has, has two has two boys, one of them. 
was named by my sister's father, which is my father, right, by the grandfather. And, and, and usually those names come from like the totality of their life. And my, one of my nephew's name is Pao Kop Zakai. Pao comes from my father's name, but Kop Zakai means Kop means put really together. Za means a hundred. Kai means lift up. What he it's it's a like it's all in humility, but it's what that what the what the name signifies is that in my lifetime I have lift up um a pair of a hundred. So from all his so what so the 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 meaning is through his sacrifices he was able to really um help in a financial way, in a substantial financial way, at least a hundred couples. And some of my uncles said you could actually put it in thousand because of the um because those people who he helped help others. But that was that was the man that he was. Um and and very selfless um and very sacrificed, just very um through snows. So the 2008 was when we when we all met together again. And and the the, the at that point I was 16, right? And I was 16 years old. Um the only time I've I know that he's my father, I know that he loves me, all of the like the great things that like sacrifices he have done for me, but it's different when you don't really have a personal relationship with somebody. So the first few months were really challenging, uh, but we got through it. The other challenging part was in 2008, we came in the month of August, and that was when um, the recession happened, right? We came to the United States, people were telling us, you're gonna walk around, the gold will be on the street, all you have to do is pick up. Uh, that was the image of America, and that wasn't the case, period, and definitely wasn't the case in 2008. So, we, as a family of six, uh, we relied on some of my savings from my father, not much, because uh, for him, he, he just... Gives every every time that um, he he makes he did he did have some savings, and also ride on um, this government assistance, food stamps, cash assistance, uh, food stamps, um, cash assistance. I went to so 2008, so it was my junior year of high school, grade 11. I went to a nearby um, public school. For my junior and senior year, um, had food, um, yeah, like free breakfast, free lunches, free, um, like just all of the free, the free things that you uh, one can get at a public school. And also, it was that time where I was I also learned the importance of community. As it pertains, to, even as it pertains to even within the nuclear family, sometimes within the nuclear family, it can feel 
there might be some individualism, but what those years really impressed on me and my life and informed the way I view life is that if it weren't for all six of us sticking together, I don't know if we would have been able to make it. For six, for the first six, seven months, my my father tried to find jobs. He he wasn't able to. The job that he got after six, seven months of searching was uh, as a grocery bagger at a public supermarket. As a it was a supermarket like Stop and Shop, as a grocery bagger, and and at that point, it occurred to me that. You know, yeah, um, yeah, um, and then I'll say, and then my my two older sisters, my oldest one, um, finished nursing school at a at an um, at an Adventist school in uh, back in back in Asia in in the Philippines, and my sister was not starting yet. So my oldest sister became a nurse, a registered nurse got a job and essentially my whole family operated as a single single purse. So whatever my oldest sister earned would funnel it to my parents who then divvy up how we're gonna spend it. Um, my, my second sister, she quickly got uh, the f quickest job that she could which was a CNA position and even though that was not her interest, she said, okay, this is what's gonna feed the family. So she got that in the same way, funneled all of our income together. So you have those two, my father's grocery bagging income, as well as our um, assistance from the government through food stamp and cash assistance. That really, and I say all of those things because their sacrifice provided the space for me to just focus on school. It could very well be that, you know, my, my family could say, Tuang, you, you know, like, you should also do your, do your part and contribute. But they knew that I was really, I was really excited about school and I had performed relatively well. So they said, okay, if, when we really need your help, we'll get your, we'll ask you and you'll help us, but you focus on your school. And, and that, even though I didn't really appreciate it at that time, now that I think about it, that put me in a trajectory where I really get to experience and explore higher education in a way that I would not have been able to otherwise. So I graduated in 2010 from high school and came to Boston to attend college at MIT. And this is where my faith was shattered. I, I, did, not, I, I did not really begin with a strong foundation about on my a strong faith foundation. On top of that, I felt a level of freedom, a level of, oh, this is gonna be a new me that no one knows who I am in this city. No one knows who I am in this 
so I can just be myself, so to speak. And I start having the wrong priorities. During this time in college, I don't, I can't remember going to church more than three or four times a semester at all. But for me, but I, do, I, do, I did still consider myself as a Christian, the type of Christian that pray when there's stressful things coming up, uh, type of Christian that would pray when, um, when there's exams, when there's challenges. And also the type of Christian that would post on Facebook, praise the Lord, you know, I just got into this summer fellowship program, or praise the Lord, you know, um, hashtag God is good. And that was, that was, my, for me, at that time, that was my way of relating to God, that, as I said, very transactional. Um, I will cry out when I need your help, and then I will say, you know, like my God did this, in as a as a as a as a payback. So that that happened. And another important thing that time was that towards the end of my freshman year I got into uh, a relationship with someone who was a non Christian and someone who I Yes, uh, that that ended up becoming a very impure relationship. So, with those two combined, I every every time I felt the Holy Spirit like moving in my heart to like be more faithful or like explore my faith or explore relationship with God, that weight and sin that was ever present in my life through my relationship uh, with my uh, then-girlfriend inhibited me. And that really stunted, and that was my decision. So that decision to be in that, continuously in, be in that relationship really stunted my growth. So I would say those four years in spiritually were the dark ages where now that I think about it the only way that can really just be redeemed is by Jesus paying it all so we have two more um, two more uh, timelines to go and they're now more recent so tw tw uh, 2014 I graduated from college you know, and the I I was able to get into the what I what could what could be is one of the most prestigious one of definitely one of the most prestigious post grad plan any college student could dream of, which is pursuing a joint. MD, PhD degree program at Harvard Medical School. And I, looking back, I have no idea how that happened. Um, obviously, there was a lot of hard work, but I, even then, I just don't know how that happened. But what 
I thought in my in my mind was that that's the mountain top I want to go to. Once I get to the mountain top, all will be great. All will be amazing. My first month at a medical school, I felt what I felt was what I felt couldn't be further uh, further from what I had imagined. I felt a sense of emptiness where where like where the the common refrain was this is it mm. like I've worked so hard um, during college you know I yeah I I don't um, just working 24/7 not 24/7 but a lot of times sleepless nights working so hard to get good grades to do all of these activities, to get good test scores, to get good um, recommendation letters, to do great research. Really, we're just like working hard on that. And, and yeah, I got, I achieved what I had planned out to do was to get into a program like this. But once I got there, if what it felt like was after climbing Mount Everest and thinking, once I'll get on that mountain top, I will, my life will be set. To only realize that once you hit the summit, your mind, like the world tells you that there's another Mount Everest to climb for you to be happy. Mm. It's like this sense of, I've been to the mountain top, I look around, okay, there's no pot of gold. Mm. And I ask around, okay, where's that pot of gold that I've been promised? And the world tells me, or people tell me, you know what, there's another one that you want, we want to climb. Mm-hmm. And, as I, and then as I, as I take a step back, I realize, you know what, if I keep pursuing that, then it's just going to be one mountain after another. Right. Where, where, will I, where, where will I stop? Mm-hmm. Right. And 2014, 2016, 14 was when I graduated college and started my program. So the f- next two years was discovering what is that alternative mountain that I want to climb. And so I name it, um, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Uh, yeah, two, three things. Three things that really happened at this time of, at this time was 2014, December, I realized I was I realized that I wanted to pursue Jesus. I wanted to pursue a relationship with Jesus. And I had it's like starting this engine. Mm, mm, mm. And it's like it's going, 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 but then like it just like stops. Oh what's wrong? You know, so it, it felt like that. And although there I although I didn't feel like oh the spirit was telling me but one of the decisions that I knew I had to do was to break off my relationship that, that I have with my um, then girlfriend at that time. We had been dating at that point for almost four years. And it was something that I had to just let go. So that was the first that happened. And it was, it was hard. Um, on all, on all, on all levels. 
So that was the first that happened. The second that happened was I met a group of men from the medical school that now became really good, like good, really good friends. Um, one of whom I'm actually gonna be uh, groomsman at his wedding, um, and we just started having Bible studies. Um, and then through an organization called CMDA, which stands for Christian Medical and Dental Association. And, and I, I would say that the, I wasn't the most um, I wasn't the most eager Bible study participant, even initially, even though I knew that I wanted to pursue Jesus. Mm-hmm. But God really placed, um, I would say, really two friends, Nathan and Kojo. In my life at that point, to, um, Kojo is my, we started in the same program the same year, and Nathan is a year ahead of me. Um, and yeah, we, we just really, I just grew in, in it. And that's the second thing that happened during this time. And the third is 2016 February, we went to, um, through our medical student organization, we went to a retreat at Toanipi and, um, and met, and the, our guest speaker, main speaker was um, Fini. And he, I remember him talking about the sins and the weights that, um, just like the thorns that can cripple us, the thorns, like really pursuing God by removing the thorns and weeds in our life. And I felt that was that really spoke to me with a couple of, and so talked to him afterwards, shared a little bit of my story, and. That was when I think God really provided um, just like really great providence met with him. And that's when a couple of my friends from the medical school and I started coming to Followers of the Way. It was at that time Followers of the Way was, um, I would say, different from where it is now. <laughs> um, 2016. Um, we were small. small, this part like this size, you know, at Medford, and it was less diverse. It was more orange, of Omega. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, but you know it was yeah. And then we, um, but I would say I wasn't. I think the after the first few weeks. I knew this was where I wanted to be, but I was a slow mover. Uh, I wanted to like take my time. I wanted to just it just just feel it a little bit longer. Where else? Uh, a lot of my friends and I'm still close to them today. We're just connecting. We're just having you know meals and things like that. And I, and I thought I was like, why? Why do I not get invited? Or maybe it's me. I don't know. Uh, why do I not get coffee with you know, people? But uh, but um, no. So but over time, started coming in March of 2016. Over time, I think we started coming in with eight, became six people, became four, became three. Eventually, it came down to me 
where I was the only one from my friend group that was still coming to um, Medford every Sunday. Um, and it was, at the time, I, it was, I want to say it in a way that I don't want to say like people, like the people who didn't make my decision make the wrong decision. So I, that's not what I want to say. But um, deep inside, I felt like this, this is where I want to be mostly from like, as you guys will see, I'm not a very, I'm not like a theological buff, right? So I am not very, like, I, I'm excited about theology. I want to pursue the right theology, but uh, I'm not like a, like a Matthew Milioni theology buff, right? Uh, for me, I'm more, okay, let's just talk about what's in your heart. Let's talk about, you know, like this kind of like softer things in addition to theology. So don't, don't get me wrong. So like the theology and everything, like it's great. And I think those are like very important. But what really struck me was the level of two things. The level of commitment that each person has in the church to pursue the truth, to pursue what what is right, right? And and not only that, but the sacrifices that each person had gone through to to live that out um, that really struck me and the other thing that really struck me that I wanted too was the level of accountability you know at that time I had been to different churches I had been to was church hopping but it was hard for me to connect and plug in because I know that I can find a way out of that to pursue what I want of like their their system, but that, but here, um, one thing that really wanted me to belong, even though at that time I honestly didn't feel like I fit in, you know, um, uh, there were not a lot of single people at that time. Um, this was this was before, yeah. Um, it's I. Single people my age. They were like single people, but who were like much older than I am. And this was, yeah, this was before like Zach and Malcolm and the Grimbles, etc. So, um, so it was, it was, it was, although I didn't fit in like culturally per se, but I knew that I, I had something to really like grow and learn from. But at the same time, it took me a while to really make that commitment. Um, something that really happened here, many things happened here, but one of the other things that really happened was um, just seeing how, at the time, I'll say for a solid year, like, uh, before I joined the church, so I joined the church in 2017, July, or June, summer of 2017, I got baptized, I got rebaptized. Um, but at that time, uh, Finney, who um, yeah, um, would spend an hour a week just like just really like mentoring me. And now that I think about it now, okay, so I work at Eventide now, and now that I think about his role there, I, I feel 
and I feel embarrassed that I took so much of his time because his time could be spent in so much more valuable ways than him coming from office at one international take the red line to South Station to come to Kendall Square to chat with me for 45 an hour, 45 minutes an hour and and then yeah and then, then go ahead and then the thing is that at the time I was still a little bit I was a little bit still um, I would say not very strong right so he said okay let's read one chapter uh, a week and sometimes I wouldn't even read that chapter I would read like half of the chapter now that I think about it I felt like so embarrassed but that is to say that I think you know that is um, now that, so when I work with people when I see people I I really when people when folks that you're trying to evangelize or trying to mentor or trying to um, yeah, disciple, don't really respond. That experience really taught me because I was in that shoes too, right? So I think that's like, that was a big lesson for me. But so from 2017, I joined the church. And for me, I would say this period where, where, Maybe starting from here, where you know, letting go of the things that I want, my my pursuit of multiple Mount Everest that that uh, that I wanted to do, God took care of that, you know, um, the the impure satisfaction that I I I had with the the satisfaction that I had from impure relationship, I I let it go. Times that were challenging when I felt like my close friends were not with me in that journey, especially um, when I was I, I was the only one really coming to also away, things like that. And again, this is not to say that my friends who didn't stick with me made their bad decision around this thing. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But for this, for this, for in this journey, um, it's letting go of like my personal things that that I wanted, but saying I'd rather have Jesus. Amen. You know, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus. Uh, for things untold. So, so I would say this is this has been uh, how I would define the, the song that I would pick for 2016, 2017 to the present, and it's been a great ride, <laughs> you know, um, being being part of a church like Falls Away. Re I would say, in in reflection, given the I'm probably one of the older people in terms of tenure here is a few things is that there is something about <coughs> there's something about being in a church together where when issues and troubles arise 
that's that's like that's 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 a fact. But there's something beautiful when you really dig deep with your brothers and your sisters in your circle and try to have a heart of humility and a heart of um, yeah, heart of humility to work through problems together. I that I've learned so much about life. I've learned so much about myself. I've learned so much about like why God intended the church this way from 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 that. So I'll say that that that's that's definitely something that I've learned and it has also given me a a lot of like maturity that I can translate to other aspects of my life. Um I said that's one. And then the other part is the the level of and, and maybe uh I guess Hans and Matthew probably are the ones that know me the, the longest, but um accountability is so important. And and yeah, and if you it's I can't imagine like my life, the all the growth that I've had over the past three, four years, if it weren't for um, the accountability that I have with like specific like brothers, and the the thing is that it's not like you know every week you're just like growing, growing, growing. No, it's it 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 feels it's a little, it's a bit like this. It goes up and down, but over the months and the years you're going up and down, but towards a higher yeah. ground, right? Um, so, so yeah, it also teaches you about patience. It also teaches you about a lot of things. Um, so those, and and I'm not even touching the theological aspects or like how to you know all of like the way to think about. It. And that's that's for a different uh, story. But really even from from that level, has been really um, tremendous. So, um, so in in closing. Yeah, I just I just want to read that verse again from Psalms 139, verse 13, and I think this applies to everyone else in this room where we can tell God, "For you formed my inward parts; you knitted me together in my mother's womb." I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Right? That each of our lives, really, God has, I don't want to sound cliche and say, you know, God has a plan for us, but really, um, God needed us together when we were in our mother's womb and then we were made in his image and his work is wonderful and despite the ugliness despite the imperfections that we may have in our lives we can still say to God, wonderful are your works, because our soul knows it very well.